Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. To the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and today we'll be looking at the practices of yoga and how they are connected to the ancient sacred language of Sanskrit. Yoga is a Sanskrit word itself, of course, that is familiar to many people today, but not always in its depth dimension. So when we look at yoga, we're talking about yoga as a way of spiritually conscious living. Yoga meaning oneness, union, or unity that refers to bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously abide in our essential spiritual nature, to be restored to our original wholeness, knowing the truth of what we are, and then, of course, living in harmony with that truth. And today's topic is the language of the gods, what Sanskrit can offer us today. And we're joined by guests Indira and Shanta Bulkin, who are founders of the East-West Sanskrit Institute. And we'll be looking at the benefits of studying Sanskrit, um, the accessibility of that for us today, and um, how that can make a difference in our spiritual practice and in our lives. Indira and Shanta founded the East-West Sanskrit Institute in the spring of 2010 to further the work of their teacher, Sri Brahmananda Saraswati, also known as Dr. Mishra, a highly respected teacher of yoga and Vedanta, who used the teachings of Sanskrit as a tool for transformation and meditation. In the early 1980s, Dr. Mishra named Indra the head of the Sanskrit department at the Yoga Society of San Francisco, a position she held until 2010. Indra holds a BA in the Sanskrit language from UC Berkeley, and she's continued her Sanskrit studies with Dr. Ram Karan Sharma since 1999. Shanta started teaching Sanskrit in the late 90s and has been continuing his studies also with Professor Ram Karan Sharma. Shanta's professional career in construction started when Dr. Mishra put him in charge of building the Yoga Society Temple. So, and their website is eastwestsanskritinstitute.com, eastwestsanskritinstitute.com. Welcome, Indira and Shanta. I'm so delighted to welcome you to Yoga Hour today. Wonderful to be here, Uma. Thank you for having us. My pleasure. And uh, before we dive into speaking about Sanskrit, we'll begin uh, with the most uh, fundamental mantra, which is Om, and that, let that take us into a time of meditation. Om. 
just open our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence. Recognizing one reality called by many names as the support, substance of all that is. Right here, right now, in this moment, we awaken. Awaken to the truth of our being, to the truth of life. As whole, as holy, as sacred, as imbued with divine grace and power. So we simply use the memory now, the mental impression of that vibration of OM. Remembering that sound, connecting it with the breath, feeling the breath. Let it take us into the deep silence of the soul, just for a moment, an opening to the depth of our being. Just feel the air, recall the mantra, Om, inwardly. Become aware of that vibration within you. And as we pause this way, in this moment and in any moment, we can become aware that the mind begins to clear. Like clouds in the sky, the thoughts begin to pass away. And just the clear sky of pure existence being remains. Unmoving, unchanging, birthless, deathless being. And when we experience that pure sky of our own essence, peace naturally fills the heart and the mind. So let's touch that peace for a moment now. Let it pervade the mental field, the physical body, emotional nature, and intend for this peace of the soul, this spiritual peace, to be shared with all beings, to live in peace, to dwell in peace, to be instruments of peace. We conclude again now chanting Om. Especially delighted, Indira and Shanta, to welcome you to Yoga Hour this morning and have an opportunity to have a taste of Sanskrit and Sanskrit study. Students of yoga philosophy, of meditation, asana, uh, pranayam, students of Ayurved, of course, um, frequently encounter Sanskrit, uh, the original language of yoga and Ayurved. So, um, you know, if we're looking at potentially Yoga Sutra or Bhagavad Gita or any of those texts that inform our practice, there we find it. And so I'm delighted to be able to learn more about Sanskrit from you this morning. And of course, I understand, you know, one of the most um, powerful things we can do is chant it and listen to it. So I'm going to invite you to start us off with uh, an opening prayer this morning. Thank you so much. That was a lovely meditation, and we're very happy to be here. What we're going to start with is our the three invocations with which we open all our classes. Oh. 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 Om Shri Ganeshaya Namaha Om Shri Saraswatyaya Namaha Om Namo Gurave Namaha Om The first salutations is first excuse me first salutation is to Lord Ganesha the elephant-headed god and he is in charge of removing obstacles so he is always saluted at the beginning of things. <laughs> 
The second salutation is to the goddess Saraswati, and her province is that of knowledge and the arts and speech, anything to do with clear thinking. And lastly, we salute the teacher, and we invite anyone to think of external teacher or the teacher within your own heart, whatever is more comfortable. So after we've explained this, let's do all three again together and maybe you can have a feel for the meaning. Om Shri Ganeshaya Namaha Om Shri Saraswatyaya Namaha Om Namo Gurave Namaha Beautiful. Thank you for that. And, you know, as I mentioned in the meditation and as you demonstrated with the chant, Om, this primordial mantra, um, is, is there, you know, as we begin, as we conclude. Um, do you want to say something about that foundation for the chants and, uh, how it tells us something about Sanskrit. Om is definitely, if you had to pick one mantra, the Om would be the one mantra. Yeah. <laughs> and does it relate to where Sanskrit came from? Oh, I don't know that um, I think of it that way. Where Sanskrit comes from, you can think about from multiple perspectives. And one of them is certainly linguistic. The other would be vibrational. So the sound current from which we are trying, with which we are trying to connect in meditation, the inner current that we can hear in our ears is also called Om. But by chanting the external Om, as we do out loud, it helps us connect with our inner Om. Right, yes, and as I understand it, Om is, as the sound current is said to be the source of all other mantras, and and of course in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, it tells us that Om is the divine name, it is the evidentiary uh, representation of the divine presence, you know, within us and around us in all, in all creation. Um, so maybe that's connected too to why Sanskrit is, uh, sometimes called the language of the gods. Yes, though, that's, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras definitely brings that in. Tasyavachaka pranava. And Tadjapastadartha Bhavanam. No, he definitely brings in that idea of meditating on Om and connecting to Om. For us, it's very much a personal experience in that our teacher, Sri Brahmananda Saraswati, he taught Sanskrit as a tool for meditation. Mm-hmm. So, from the point of view of it being the language of the gods, I think that many traditions have a strong connection with their own languages and one of the reasons we feel privileged to be on your program is that that's part of your message is the unification of religions and we are honored to be participating in that way i think for us we came to find this language and this teacher and it became a very healing force in our lives mm. so his idea was that by studying you could be you could find an easier path to meditation. Mm, could you could you say more about that? Ended. I like I know how how did this become a healing force? You know what what was that experience for you, and um, how did it help you find a way? Uh, you know, into the experience of meditation. So two things about the healing and about meditation, both. That's. I think any, Shanta and I would have a slightly different story because it is such a personal story. What I find when I am invited to talk about Sanskrit, because we have talked at Sanskrit universities a couple different times in India, what I find even more significant than how I originally found it is why after 
decades, I keep coming back to it. Mm -hmm. And that is because when I study it, I think better. So it is not only the experience of meditation, but it's also that my daily life, which as we are trying to live meditative lives, we don't divide it into silent time and the rest of everything, right? We <laughs> try to make um, a holistic experience of meditation that when I study and when I chant, I think more clearly and I find it easier to meditate. Mm. So, so maybe Shanta can say something about his early experience, um, but it is it is both from the beginning of when we met our teacher, but also decades later that it is still helping us. And and so my guess is going to be in terms of looking at what you've just said, you know, through the lens of yoga science and yoga practice, that this concentration that is required, you know, to study and practice, it, you know, is a form of um, concentration, is a form of pratyahara where, you know, you, you really have to focus to get the sounds right and, um, and to understand, you know, the deep meaning and to experience it um uh, it, physiologically in the physical bod- body and the subtle body. So there's all of that that requires us to focus the mind and attention. And then in the next segment, also we're going to be talking about the vibrational um, quality of Sanskrit language that um, purifies the body and mind. So I'm guessing those two things were big um, factors that contribute to what you've just said about um, it being... Uh, you know, something you keep coming back to because it improves, you know, daily life, uh, your ability to be present and concentrate and so forth. But, uh, Shanta, let me hear from you. You know, why do you, why are, why are you still with Sanskrit after all these years? Well, when I met our teacher in 1972, I was, I would have to describe myself as a very distraught young man. And, the first thing he said to me when I walked onto the property at Ananda Ashram in New York State was, if you want to stay here, you must study Sanskrit. And for the first time in my life, I felt that the person that was talking to me not only had some power, but had some vision. Mm-hmm. And I was at a lack of vision. And when he said that about studying Sanskrit or you have to go, I just took mm-hmm. it on right away, and within days I felt like this was my fate, and thank God for that meeting. Mm. Mm. Changed mm-hmm. my life, and I would have to say that um, he completely reversed the direction of my life, which brought me to the idea that life and our movement through life is not linear. Because if it was linear, I would not be here today if I was mm. going down the trail that I was going down. But as soon as I met him, my direction completely, I wouldn't say reverse, but it, cha- it changed dramatically. Mm. Yeah, we, we call that the grace of the guru, right? You know, there's the, this general grace in life, and then there is this divine grace that I hear you describing of meeting the guru and, and you know, entering that relationship to... Um, help us find the guru within in terms of leading a spiritually conscious life. And so when we get back from the break, let's talk a little bit more about this science of vibration uh, we can discover from Sanskrit language. And um, you both talked about how it practice of it transformed your lives let's let's learn more about how that can be accessible to all of us you're listening to the yoga hour i'm yogacharya o'brien and today's special guests are indira and shanta bulkin who are founders of the east west sanskrit institute and you can find out more about them and their teaching schedule at their website east west sanskrit institute com and we'll be right back with you hello listeners did you know we've gone mobile that's right your favorite unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device now you can take us with you wherever you go Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity Online Radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit Unity Online Radio and click on Mobile Listening. 
Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Ever notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and our guests today are Indira and Shanta Bulkin, founders of East West Sanskrit Institute. And before the break, we were talking about. Uh, um, Indra and, and, and Shanta, your journey uh, into Sanskrit, which became really a transformative path uh, for you. And um, so at, in this segment, you know, we really want to learn more about that, you know, how it was that studying and practicing this um, language became a path of transformation. Paramahansa Yogananda said, sound or vibration is the most powerful force in the universe. And here he's talking about how it comes in music. He says, music is a divine art to be used not only for pleasure, but as a path to God realization. Vibrations uh, resulting from devotional singing, or we could say chanting, lead to attunement with the cosmic vibration or the word. And so it would be really lovely to hear more from you of, um, with chants. And I think because students of uh, yoga, we, you know, we study potentially Yoga Sutra, we study uh, Bhagavad Gita, those are the Two um, principal texts, as those studying Kriya Yoga will will turn to, be, because um, they really give us a good guidebook for leading a yogic life, learning how to meditate, and so forth. So, could you share with us, a chant for us, a verse from the Bhagavad Gita? I would love to. There's one that is a special favorite of mine. It is very simple. And it is devotional, and it ties in nicely with the idea of surrender to God that also comes up several places in the Yoga Sutras, Ishvara Pranidhana. And uh, I think at some point when we have difficulties, surrendering is what we have to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> our, our conscious mind is sort of um, problem-solved its way into corners, and surrender seems the more sensible idea. So I will lead this one. This is from the last chapter of the Gita. Sarva dharman parityajya Sarva dharman parityajya Mamekam sharanam braja Mamekam sharanam braja Aham tva sarva pape bhyo Aham tva sarva pape bhyo Mokshayishyami Mashucha Mokshayishyami Mashucha mm. 
So renounce all dharmas, all paths, anything that your thinking mind has to say, and take refuge in me as your one shelter. I will liberate you from all sins. Do not grieve. Do not worry. Mm. It's really the promise in the Bhagavad Gita. It's one of my um, favorite verses as well. Um, Tell us about how you experience um, the connection between chanting and surrender. I think that might be a fair question. If it's not, let me know. <laughs> but I, I, I can just sense that as part of your practice that, you know, that, that could certainly be a way. Because people always wonder, well, how do I surrender, right? How do I let go? So is there a connection for you between chanting and surrender? I would say that um, true surrender happens at a higher state than I've ever achieved. But if I have even a partial bit of surrender, there's a great sense of peace that comes. And that's really what the chanting does, is it gives a sense of peace. It reminds me that there is a power beyond my thinking mind, and that that is a higher power. And that power gives grace, and it enables, um, as I said, my thinking mind to work better later in the day. But beyond that, just any bit of Entering into that peace has an amazing healing force. Mm-hmm. So um, Sanskrit has a, a divine connection with Nadam, which is the sound vibration in us. And Sri Brahmananda Saraswati used to call Sanskrit the science of vibration. And he used to always refer to it as the washing machine of the mind. So our, <laughs> our part of studying Sanskrit is to allow that to unfold through the grace of the Sanskrit with its connection to the cosmos. And it's very, very powerful. It's not just hearsay to say this, but as we chant and study and chant and study, it's like the Sanskrit has the power to remove the clouds in front of the sun within us. And this becomes very powerful even just as a first taste of seeing some of those clouds which are the, the overwhelming amount of thoughts that we have in the brain, see some of them dissipate and then see this bright light, even just a little bit, shining inside. And the way that I talk to my students about this um, sound vibration is that it's kind of like a Harry Potter thing. There's a, <laughs> there's a hidden door in our higher mind somewhere that, the Sanskrit somehow, if it doesn't open it completely, at least it points to, there's the door. Now you go open it. Mm. That's so beautifully put. And I, I know, you know, in my own practice that if there is a time, you know, when the mind, uh, my mind becomes just troubled, you know, it, it can just be like a, you know, a pit bull that grabs onto a problem and just keeps chewing on it and chewing on it. And so there has to be something else, you know, that I can do with the mind that will, you know, bring uh, that to to an end. And I find um, chanting, you know, to be a, a purifying agent in that way. It, it can certainly free me. Um, from those times when I just get stuck, you know, I'm going around and around. And Indira, as you said, um, you know, it contributes then to clarity. I mean, for me, not only does it um, rescue me, um, which, you know, mantra, it, that's one of the meanings of mantra, you know, to go beyond or, as I understand it, you know, that which saves, <laughs> that's which saves us. And, you know, for me, it saves me from myself sometimes and, and uh, Shanta, as you have described, opens up that doorway, you know, to an expanded uh, viewpoint that then allows me to see other options, you know, allows me to be free of, you know, going around and around and being um, stuck. So how how do you you know how does this work in terms of changing our mind changing our nervous system or having an effect on the chakras what what else would you like to teach us about sanskrit and its vibration i think 
what we should perhaps demonstrate is chanting nouns and verbs. And I'm going to give a, a little bit of perspective on chanting in general in that many people don't know that the Sanskritic tradition was originally oral. So everything was handed down by chanting. There's three kinds of literature in Sanskrit that we find. We find verses, we find the sutra literature, most famous, of course, is yoga sutras, but many other texts were written in sutra form. And then we have prose. In English, prose dominates. That's what we think of as books. In the Sanskritic tradition, it was hugely about verses. And just as we have things that we learn as children that are often chanted, in the same way, it's that universe is much expanded in Sanskrit. So texts would be written in verse and they would be memorized in verse. But our teacher also had that healing energy come with everything that he taught. So we were thinking we should chant a verb or a noun. Sure. Why don't we chant num, um, which people are familiar with num because it's the verb that's in namaste to salute. So we thought we would offer this verb chanting of num as a a prayer uh, vibration of energy for everybody. That sounds great. And and tell us more about this. Is this a, a letter? Is it a group of letters? What is it that you're going to be chanting? Well, we're going to decline the verb num um, through the uh, tenses of the Sanskrit conjugation. So present tense, it just takes a minute or two. Um, present tense, past tense, the imperative tense, the potential tense, and the future tense. And You'll hear it as we chant it, and our teacher used to also include um, that it's also pranayama. Um, he used to have us chant all five tenses in one breath. Mm-hmm. So it's not just Sanskrit vibration, but he's bringing in the breath. He's bringing in concentration. Um, he was a magician of a teacher. I mean, he he could do he could do this in his sleep to to give us exactly what he felt we all needed. Mm, beautiful. So yes, let's let's hear this um, chant. Namati namata namanti namasi namata namata namami namava namama anamat anamatam anaman anama anamatam anamata anamam anamava anamama Namatu, namata, namatam, namantu, nama, namata, namatam, namata, namani, namava, namama, name, nametam, nameyu, name, nametam, nameta, nameyam, nameva, namema, namishati, namishata, namishanti, namishasi, namishata, namishata, namishami, namishava, namishama, Oh. And that is so beautiful. And of course, it's possible to feel the energy of that just listening. And so, um, tell us uh, what you just did. And I'm also curious, would this be the kind of exercise that someone would encounter, um, studying with you early on? Is this something that, um, you know, students are exposed to? The um, the direction that any one student wants may differ. Um, the first and foremost thing is the learning of the alphabet, um, both the pronunciation of the letters, the vowels, and the consonants, and then the learning of how to use the English with diacritical marks, and then how to transliterate into the Sanskrit letters. And that normally takes quite a number of classes for the student to become to feel a little bit comfortable with. Um, but certainly if they want to take the path of grammar, um, then we will certainly get into how do verbs get formed to add the endings of all the tenses? How do the nouns take the endings so that we know how to, where to put it in the sentence? But it's all taught Uma with a sense of, um, hearing all the sounds, chanting all the sounds and developing almost like a sound bank where you're depositing every sound that you're chanting into this vault of your experience. So you're building up this bank account of energy. Mm. Mm. And it becomes 
the vibration and the cadence, I think, then becomes uh, familiar, right? You know, you have a, a sense of, of that. And early on, you begin to enjoy because mm-hmm. it, the writing is a little bit, there is a, that just takes practice. But we don't have it be that you can't enjoy learning until you've mastered writing. That's just one piece. We always remember that it was an oral tradition. Mm. So as, as as long as you're tuning into that sound energy, you've embarked upon the path. Um, we, I thought we would do just um, one minute on the alpha, some of the vowels in the alphabet. Mm. Yes, that would so be we, grand. And they're also mantra. We consider everything mantra. So that's most of the vowels. That's beautiful. And then, of course, learning all of the consonants and then uh, you know learning how to put them together and um you know in the in the last uh, segment of the program today I, i'd like to have you share with us um a few of the familiar words that we run into you know as students of yoga and um any tips that you may have for um short of you know becoming sanskrit scholars you know how we get better in our pronunciation so um that would be that would be really uh really helpful um what else would you like us to know and now i'm thinking um Let's hear another one of the prayers. That would be really lovely. As we began with the verse from the Gita, um, and we had a prayer opening the first segment. Let's come back to hearing a Sanskrit uh, prayer. Uh, I think you have one, of course, to Saraswati, and uh, now we're in the time of Navrati, so um, that would be beautiful. Can we have that? Surely, absolutely. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Uma, should we do that right now or after the break? No, let's do it now. We have a little bit of time, and I think it would just be a beautiful way to wrap up this um, segment. Okay. Om Brahmati Dakshine Chaksha Sutram Vamehaste Chadivyam Barakanakamayam Pustakam Yanagamya Savinam Badayanti Swakarakarajapai Shastra Vigyana Shamdai Kridanti Divya Rupa Karakamaladhara Bharati Suprasanna Bharati Suprasanna Beautiful. You can just breathe into that and um, just briefly um, tell us uh, the the heart of the meaning of that prayer. That's this one is very simple in meaning. It is mostly visual description of the goddess Sarasvati, mm. and she is mounted on a swan. She is wandering in the sky. She has teaching tools in her. Hands. She has her vena that she vibrates the universe. She has a book and a divine mala. And the last word is suprasanna. She is very happy. She is gracious. Mm-hmm. So you feel her smiling at you. <laughs> that is absolutely beautiful. Um, thank you so much. And when we come back from the break, um, let's let's wrap up our conversation about uh, Sanskrit with um, 
looking at some of the familiar words that we have and, and how we can become more skillful, how we can begin a study of Sanskrit as well. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guests today, Indra and Shantabulkan, founders of East West Sanskrit Institute. Visit their website, eastwestsanskritinstitute.com. We'll be right back with you. The base of all life is the infinite wellspring of source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Rev. Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If I were brave, I'd walk the razor's edge Where fools and dreamers dare to tread And never lose faith How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living Each week Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll-free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org, and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. Uh, today we're talking about the Sanskrit language, um, its power, its resonance, its uh, life-changing potential for those who um, get on the path and begin to really study and practice. And our special guests are Indira and Shanta Bulkin, founders of East West Sanskrit Institute. And I want to let you know, if you're listening in real time, that they'll be at Center for Spiritual Enlightenment uh, this Sunday afternoon from 1 to 4, giving an introduction to Sanskrit uh, workshop. And for more information about that, you can go to our website, csecenter.org, uh, or you can write us at info at csecenter.org. So um, back to just some of the basics, you know, um, one of the challenges that we have with the uh, teachings of yoga coming from the east to the west and uh, yoga being um, sourced and grounded in Sanskrit language is that those of us who have not studied Sanskrit or not studied much of it, I'm in the latter category, not studied much of it, um, are learning words, you know, through the English transliteration and uh, we know what they are, but we often don't pronounce them correctly. So, you know, several of these words have entered into our language and, you know, we hear people saying uh, namaste, you know, trying really, in, you know, trying to be accurate, but 
but not, you know, or guru, um, or even I, you know, understand the word mala is uh, problematical if it's mispronounced. So uh, mm-hmm. tell us, <laughs> tell us about that, and uh, uh, perhaps give us some accurate pronunciation of of those three and any other you can think of that we might uh, bump into uh, inadvertently. So the secret of pronunciation comes with the learning of the language, but essentially um, it has to do with short vowels and long, uh, short and long. And if you don't know what, when you're looking at the alphabet in English with the diacritical marks, if you're not familiar with that, then you will be prone to pronouncing a short long or a long short. Um, One very strong example that we hear all the time is Himalaya, and really the the middle A with this line over it is really a long ah, so it's really Himalaya rather than Himalaya. There's no A sound in Sanskrit, so we hear Himalaya all the time, but it's really Himalaya. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And what about Namaste? <laughs> it, it, that's Namaste is the the... The second uh is gets a little bit of a beat because it has a compound consonant after it, but it's not a it's not a long uh, it's not a long ah uh, it's not namaste. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest thing that Sanskrit doesn't have is an eh in terms of what it does with the vowel. The, what we write in as the letter a in English. So the the worst thing I think that we hear is Saraswati. <laughs> That's just um it, it's Saraswati. You get the beat there, but it's the swa. Um, well, actually, there's several things wrong with that. But vowels, as Shanta said, are the key. So if you just take an introduction to Sanskrit class and you get a sense of short and long vowels, you're avoiding 90% of the mistakes. Mm. And is there also, Indra, a way you can tell where the emphasis is going to fall um, between the vowels and the consonants? Pretty much if what I said before, if you're chanting and if you, short vowels are short, but if they're followed by two consonants, they get a little extra beat. So when we do that opening invocation, it's not that easy to pronounce, actually, the Saraswatyai Nama. But you can hear if you say Sara, it's one kind of an accent. And But if you're going to have the Svatyai after it, you need that extra energy to carry the two consonants. So it becomes Saraswatyai. Mm. And once you have a sense for that, you're much better able to chant meters with accurate beat. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. just helps them be much more beautiful and flow better. Mm-hmm. But Uma, it takes it takes quite some time to get competent. It's such a learning curve. Um, it, it really is a long, and I don't want to say long in the terms of um, tedious, um, but it's just like again, you're medit- you practice meditating and you practice meditating. This Sanskrit study is really a a discipline moving you toward the meditation because it. In the language itself, even in the alphabet, are, is the vibration of sound. Mm-hmm. But, but our teacher did not emphasize teaching in a way that you would have anxiety over learning. He would say, hear and forget. And the idea was that you weren't so much trying to become a great scholar as you were trying to wash your mind. <laughs> and he would say, Uma, Sanskrit will learn you. He would tell people who would run out of Sanskrit class, um, when he was teaching, at least take the alphabet and put it up in your room, and it will learn you. You don't have to worry about studying it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, uh, I um, have done a little bit of Sanskrit study, and I know that, um, you know, of course, the primary method is to learn it by chanting. So it's not, uh, you know, just reading or or writing, but but learning through sound and vibration. And so you're picking it up experientially, um, which is a 
you know, a different way of, of learning and it sort of bypasses the, the intellect and, uh, hopefully the anxiety that comes along with the idea of, you know, am I getting it right or not? Yes. Yeah. He would also say, you know, don't believe me. I want you to chant it and feel it for yourself and have a direct experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, um, and you can, and you can, you know, fairly early on, you know, just, uh, learning the Sanskrit alphabet, for example, um, you, you know, we learn it by chanting it, you know, just as we heard you chant the, uh, the vowels, the, the same thing with the consonants, you know, we learn them by chanting them and you get the visual along with that. And then, of course, learning to write, which is also a form of, of japa, you know, getting um, the mind focused on forming those beautiful letters. Um, before we conclude this morning, I would I would love to uh, hear another um, prayer from you and have an opportunity to, to conclude uh, with that. So uh, can you offer us another chant? We would love to. This is one from a long stotra or hymn to Lord Shiva, which talks about the unity of all paths to God. Oh, Shiva Mahimna Stotram. Sankyam Yoga Pashupati Matam Vaishnavamiti Prabhimbe Prasthane Paramidamada Patyamiti Cha Ruchinam Vaichetriyat Rijukutilanana Patajusham Mrename Kogamyas so beautiful. So tell us, we, we know how the chant feels. Tell us, um, about its meaning in English. The first line lists a number of different philosophies or religions common in India at the time this was written. But as we bring all mantras into the modern age, you imagine that this covers all world religions. So what's listed here is Vedic path, Sankhya philosophy, yoga, worship of Shiva, worship of Vishnu, And then he goes on to say that everybody is going to say this one is better, that one is very wholesome. But then he acknowledges that whatever path you like, and he doesn't bother to say that even all paths are equal. He says some may be crooked, some may be straight, meaning you don't have to think that uh, you can have your own opinion, no problem. It should be jusham, according to your taste, what you like. But the important part is the last line, and that's that you are that which is to be gone to as all waters go to the ocean. And this verse is famous because of the unity of religion's theme, but what I like about it very much is that the last line also guarantees that we are all going there. (laughs) Whether we know it or not, this is, um, we're all on this path. Mm, so beautiful. And that spirit of um, unity, the spirit of acknowledging um, the many paths to God, of course, we find in the very heart and soul of Vedic teachings, you know, at the center are um, the, the saying that puts forth our our vision and our mission as an organization is awaken to the one truth known by many names, you know, which is um, drawn from the Rig Veda, you know, that 
that sense that there is one reality that we're all uh, awakening to, but there are many ways uh, to discover that. And certainly, uh, study and practice of Sanskrit is one of those ways, and I'm so delighted uh, to have connected with you both and um, for this program this morning. And I want to uh, remind our listeners that they can visit your website, eastwestsanskritinstitute.com, for, for resources and for learning more about your teaching schedule. And also remind those who are listening in real time, this is uh, October 2015, that Indira and Shanta will be at Center for Spiritual Enlightenment Sunday afternoon uh, this week from 1 to 4, giving an introduction to Sanskrit. And then uh, in November, November 15th, 2015, they will be offering a Sunday morning uh, workshop on Sanskrit chanting. So visit our website at csecenter.org. Next week on Yoga Hour, I'll be welcoming Stephen Sturgis, who has a wonderful new book out on uh, the supreme art and science of Raja and Kriya Yoga. And we'll be talking about three steps into the Temple of Bliss. Um, the three steps of Raja Yoga's eight-limbed path, concentration, meditation, and oneness or samadhi. So I look forward to being back with you next week. I want to thank our whole Yoga Hour team, Vicki Martin uh, as our producer for Yoga Hour, and uh, Laurel Trujillo, who's our regular guest host, and Jeff Comfort in our sound room, who takes such good care of us. I look forward to being back with you next week. Remember to subscribe to Yoga Hour at iTunes. Tell your friends about it. I'll see you next week. Let your inner light shine into the world. Share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Thank you again, Indira and Shanta. Om. Namaste. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. may happen around you, things may happen to you, but the only things that really count are the things that happen in you. This meditative moment from Reverend Eric Butterworth is brought to you by Unity. notice that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio.
Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on A Course in Miracles with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free every Friday at 2 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 